the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. How's it going? A couple minutes after 4. We have sunshine at the moment with some clouds lingering. Don't get fooled. We may still get a heavy rain, you know. Thunder shower too possible. In fact, there is a severe thunderstorm watch till 8 o'clock tonight for Berks, Bucks, Carbon, Chester, Delaware, Lehigh, Monroe, Montgomery, Northampton, and Philadelphia counties. Eventually clearing out. Low of 59 tonight. Sunny and windy tomorrow. Beautiful day. High of 79. Phillies lost 5-4 to the Dodgers yesterday. They were up 4-0. Slowly watched that lead wither away, and they lost in the bottom of the ninth when the Dodgers got a couple of runs. Aaron Nola, a bright spot, pitched a strong game in the loss. Had seven innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, and struck out eight. They did take three out of four from the Dodgers on the road, so that's pretty impressive. They'll try and regroup and get ready to take on the San Diego Padres, who visit the ballpark at home tomorrow night starting at 645. And, and uh, if you're interested, inter- what do I say? If you are uh, a ba- basketball fan and a hockey fan, not that the the Philly teams are now out of things, but it was interesting. I was noticing last night, if you happen to be in Dallas, you had not one but two game sevens going on. They say in sports, there's nothing quite like a game seven. You know, a deciding game. Each team having won three games, no matter what sport you're talking about, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Of course, football just has the one and done. And uh, last night, not only was there one Game 7 going on in Dallas, but there were two in terms of their, their team. The basketball team was taking on Phoenix and actually won handily, so it was a, like a, a cakewalk there. They didn't have to sweat it. Then their hockey team, at the same time, is playing in a Game 7 against Calgary and actually found themselves locked in the tie game, which went to overtime, which is like the ultimate in terms of Game 7-ness. And they did lose, so there is the up and the down in the, uh, in the city of Dallas. So there you have it. Just an observation from a sports fan, because no matter what sport you're watching, it is kind of fun to see who's going to finally win the, the very last game. Um, now, it is interesting, too. I'll put this out there. When you hear about all that said and the intensity that goes behind sports, once in a while I'll, I'll just share with a friend or something. You know, It does say, no matter what sport you're talking about, it's game seven. It's the word game. So for perspective, you know, while sports matter a lot and they can be a great thing. I know like my son, for example, bought tickets and gave me uh, a, a little road trip to see the Eagles play at the Giants a couple Christmases ago. We had a wonderful time despite the pouring rain. A very memorable time. Loved it. And all those things are good. It still is, in fact, a game we're talking about when you say it. It's not War 7. It's not Famine 7. It's Game 7. So I think it's good to remember, even though there are a lot of things tied to it that are important. 
I partly mention that because part of what we're doing at the radio station is a partnership with Bible League, and we're looking to bring Bibles to the persecuted church around the world, which is very intense work, and uh, especially those in the field. We're not asking you to go to the field. If the Lord calls you, that's great. But uh, we just ask you, if you're willing to step up and help out, our partnership with the Bible League happens around this time each year for a number of years now. And we're looking to bring 2,200 Bibles around the world. And each one's just $5. We'll be in the recipient's own language. It's a win-win for everybody. Maybe you can do one or two. Maybe you can do a lot more than that. We just got an update in. We're at 572 now, which is great. We're climbing the ladder there. 1,628 to go. We can certainly go past the goal, but that's what we've kind of come to as a listening family by the end of the month. So if you want to help out in that regard, uh, in that regard, it's 800-YES-WORD. Nice and easy. 800-YES-WORD. 800-937-9673. Or right in our homepage where we update the scoreboard about once a day at WFIL.com. Let's see. So what else is happening uh, on our program? If you're new to the station, we typically have a wide variety of guests. We may have authors, we may have pastors who you hear on the radio station. We sometimes have uh, you know, athletes or entertainers, uh, different walks of life. And many of the folks who call in are believers, not all. That's not a litmus test for being on the station. We believe in, uh, among other things, opportunities to engage the culture at large and are welcome, you know, welcome guests to that extent. Um, so sometimes just talking about neutral stuff and... Uh, but we also, among other things, delve into the world of politics every now and again. Not a whole lot. We don't get too heavy with that. There are a lot of places you can go for more specific drill down on the issues conversation. Uh, we're not afraid to do that, but we realize that those who are listening may have different perspectives on who to vote for and all those sorts of things. So I certainly have uh, you know, opinions. They'll come out every now and again, but I typically view our conversations with those in the world of politics in general uh, and in general with the guests, I'd like to kind of give the floor to a guest and let them speak a little bit to what they think. And um, in any case, today we actually have a couple of guests in that realm, especially because tomorrow you have the, the election in terms of the Republican primary. So uh, our first guest in a few moments, Dr. Enche uh, Zama, he is running for Pennsylvania governor for the nomination of the Republican Party. And Carla Sands is going to join us later on. She is running for U.S. Senate. Uh, so both of them will join us over the course of the hour in the next day or two, we're looking forward to having Dave, uh, David Gergen on the program. He used to be with CNN. He was an advisor to four presidents in both parties, actually, over time. So looking forward to having him on. And we've had some other uh, invitations that we have out there to, to you know, bring into the mix over the course of the next number of months. So that'll be happening during the course of the hour. Some other things, too. Hang on and more to come. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com and the WFIL app. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. It is 411 on The Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL in Philadelphia. I'm glad to bring on board Dr. Enche Zama, who is running for the Republican prim in the primary uh, for Pennsylvania governor. And welcome aboard. Thank you for calling in. How you doing? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, to join you and fellowship a little bit. <laughs> that sounds great. 
I wanted to give you the floor and just give you an opportunity to share a bit, uh, you know, for assuming that a person that has not heard of you or heard much about you or wanted to get to know, like, so who, who is this guy on the ballot? Should I be voting for him and all that? So um, share some backstory, too. Like, you know, Dr. Dr. Zama, sure. the person. Sure. Well, so I am a, a retired uh, heart and lung surgeon, cardiothoracic surgeon in the Poconos. I've spent most of my career here in Pennsylvania. I've worked uh, variously at uh, in York, in Williamsport, uh, in Bradford County, at the Guthrie Clinic, Robert Parker Hospital. Yeah. And I opened the first Heart Institute in the Poconos about 16 years ago. And I took some time off to help out and work in Philadelphia with the Jefferson Aria system. And, uh, and I've really enjoyed here. I'm uh, married. We have uh, four children, uh, three are grown, uh, three girls and one boy. The old, youngest one is uh, 17, and she's graduating from high school and on to college next year. Wow. And uh, my wife is also in the healthcare business, uh, more on the management side. Okay. Now, I was actually born in a little grass hut village in Cameroon, wow. in West Africa. And I was raised by two very loving, very strict Christian, uh, illiterate, subsistence farmer parents. Hmm. And I grew up in that grass hut, rolled out of bed every morning, and, and ran down to the stream to fetch water and take a bath and head on out to school. I started school when I was about three years old, and I went to a missionary school. I've always said our missionaries are the unsung heroes, and I've said this at every stop during this campaign, because if it was not for them, the sacrifices and dedication, I wouldn't be here today. Actually, uh, for all the things I've done, I always attribute them to missionaries because we didn't have schools, and the only schools we had uh, then were missionary schools. So I started school at age three. Things were going well, and every night my parents in that grass hut, we had a kerosene lamp for illumination, and it allowed me to do homework. They watched me like sentries doing homework for about two hours. And then after that, we say prayers and we'll go to bed. I have my little bamboo bed in the corner. And uh, unfortunately, when I was 10 years old, uh, my mother went to the hospital to give birth. Uh, I just gotten out of school that afternoon and I heard mom was not doing well. And she was at a hospital. It was a bush hospital. Only had one doctor who was stuck somewhere up in the province, probably delivering babies in a hut, you know. Mm. And so I ran up to the hospital. And I got there and she was. I walked into that room, and I still see it as clear as day. And uh, she's laying in the corner in a small cot, you know, in severe distress, crying, moaning in pain, writhing in pain. And blood was flowing out of the groin to the floor, making a huge puddle. And standing in the corner was a nurse and uh, crying. And she kept saying, there's no doctor, there's no doctor. And when my mother heard my voice, she, she said, son, go home. I'm dying son, go home, I'm dying. She kept repeating. I says, mommy, don't die. Ran across the room, held her hand, squeezed it, squeezed her thigh, her right thigh. And uh, unfortunately, she went on and died. I was 10 years old. She was 30. And as I was walking back to the village that night, very difficult experiences you could imagine for a little kid. Of course. All I kept hearing ringing in my ears were the words of that nurse. There's no doctor. So I decided I wanted to be a doctor. I've never seen a doctor, you know, never been taken care of by a doctor. Yeah. But I, I figured a doctor would have saved her life, and I wanted to be a doctor. So 
No other child would have to experience what I just experienced, and no parent would have to suffer like she had suffered before she died. That decision then took me on a journey. Before she died, she selected a secondary school run by the Marist Brothers from England. It was called Sacred Heart College. And she goes, son, that school, I hear the graduates, uh, the top students, they pass all the exams. That's where I want you to go, school choice. And uh, so after she died, I went and I got enrolled. And I I'd skipped a couple of grades in elementary school, and I started the secondary school in the second year. And I met an American Peace Corps volunteer, and that's another group. I mean, I pay allegiance to, you know, faithfully. Mm-hmm. And this was, you know, I've always said God climbs angels along the way. I've, I've, you know, I've had so many of those angels, and this gentleman was one of them. And I was his top student in science. And he says, son, he says, you work very hard, you know. I would sometimes leave school and go to the farm because I had a farm at that age. About five years of age, six, you already had a farm. It was, you know, a small plot of land where you planted corn, peanuts, and whatnot. And I would sell some of my crops and maybe mangoes and pineapples and to get some money and use that to defray some of my school costs, like tuition. He says, son, you work very hard and you want to be a doctor? I says, yeah. He says, uh, you should go to America when you graduate. He goes, two words. I mean, these are the words I still remember today. He says, if you work hard, you will succeed. Uh, four years after, I mean, four years later, I graduated, and the natives sat around in a hut, and they passed a basket, and the donations amounted to $20. And my father sold the hut with the crops and uh, the land, around it and got $300 and used that to buy me a one-way ticket to America. So I arrived in New York City uh, somewhere between 14, 15 years of age, all by myself. And uh, I started a journey. And uh, I can't even tell you how difficult it was, but I was homeless for a while, had a good Samaritan, another angel, picked me up from a YMCA where I'd been languishing in severe distress, crying my eyes out, drinking water from the faucet, had no money. And he took me, and I lived with him for a year. And after that, a professor of mine, this was in Baltimore, uh, of chemistry, Dr. Patrick McDermott, and he said, son, you need to go to a a challenging school up in Massachusetts. He says, he graduated from Boston himself. He says, if you graduate from there, uh, you'll be able to, you have a better chance of getting to medical school. And in Boston, there are a lot of factories where you can find a, a job and, and, you know, since you're putting yourself through school. And so I moved to New England and started a really challenging journey that led me to earning my bachelor's in chemistry. And I went on to get a master's in management at Harvard and a PhD in chemistry and eventually trained as a general surgeon at Cleveland Clinic and then graduated from Harvard medical program to be a hot lung surgeon. Wow. This is the greatest country in the world. And I says, praise God. And <laughs> so the question becomes, what have I done since? Well, I started to travel the world. I formed a, a humanitarian organization called Heart to Heart International, which eventually merged actually with a French organization, Chain of Hope. And I would travel. I've been to Cambodia doing free pediatric heart surgery. I'm a trained pediatric and adult heart lung surgeon. 
and I've been to South America, Brazil, Peru, Ecuador, I mean, you name it, the Caribbean, all over Africa doing surgery. And also I, I was able to educate all my nieces and nephews, 24 of them, and, uh, and then I started to build schools. And now actually I'm single-handedly responsible you know, for the uh, finances of an elementary school for poor and orphan kids. And just a couple of years ago, the COVID crisis came, and I said, you know, I looked around and saw how it was so mismanaged. I decided time comes when silence is betrayal, and God speaks, and I think God has a new assignment for me. So I launched a campaign uh, May last year, May 20th, uh, to run to become governor for our children. Wow. Folks are just tuning in. We're chatting with Dr. Enche Zama. He's running in the Republican primary for Pennsylvania governor. Uh, Zama for PA, Z-A-M-A for PA dot com online or Zama, Zama for PA on Twitter. That led, leads me to kind of the other part of why I wanted to go with our chat. Just uh, you kind of led right very nicely up to the doorstep of why you're running. What are a few mm-hmm. things that come to the foreground for you that if you're elected that, that matter? I mean, you have to be able to do lots of different things in, in time. But are there a few sure. things in the foreground for you that, that you really sure. feel need to be addressed first sure. and foremost? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked the question. It's a very good question because often I've, what I've learned the past year running is there are they always ask people, and they say, what's the number one thing? There's not a number one thing. There's a lot of number one things. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, uh, but if I look at, if we look at our state, and I've said, I want to be a governor for our children, and people pause. They say, well, I've never heard that before. I says, yes, because our state is sick, and it needs a doctor. And then I go on to explain that for any decision that we make in our lives, policies, whatever, they only have meaning if they're girded in love, with love for our children and a a value proposition that brings tremendous benefits to our children. And if you always think about the children and what your decisions, how they impact them, then you always make the right decisions. And so if I look at our educational system for once, that has been failing so many kids. I've called it, I've coined an expression of zip code disease. And the same zip codes year after year, decade after decade, failing miserably. And of course, there are a lot of uh, social determinants that have, uh, you know, led our educational failures to the point where we are now in a crisis state. An educational system that has failed to espouse, failed to promote Excellence is the one word my own parents promoted on a daily basis. They didn't accept anything but excellence. And we live in a knowledge-based global economy. And so, and I've said time and again that there are a lot of things we tend to push among our children, you know, whether it's diversity, whether it's this, that, and the other. And I said, at the end of the day, on a scale of desirable goals, excellence trumps diversity any day. So education needs a Marshall plan. School choice is great. My own grass hut parents in Africa <laughs> insisted that I go to the best school, you know, with the best teachers and that produces the best students at school choice. And why is it such a debate? And so we need to revamp our educational system and put the students front and center and let the money fall on the child. 
And also, our curriculum needs to bring value to the children. I see so many times that I'm, I've traveled the world when I go to operate on kids, my brother. This is what I do. Almost invariably, I visit an elementary school. I, you know, I speak six languages, Portuguese, Spanish, French. And people go, why do you go to the schools? Well, you want to know something about the country? You go to the elementary schools, and you spend a day there. You know, And I was in China, and I was sitting in a second-grade classroom. I've been to China a couple of times. And they were teaching coding and financial management to second grade. Hear me out. And these kids were so fluent in the English language. I got back to the Sheraton Hotel in Beijing, and I was in a depression. I said, America, we're talking about an achievement gap. No, this is going to be an achievement canyon. I come back here, and you start hearing things like the critical race theories and brings no value. So what am I going to do as governor? One of the first things we would do is look at the curriculum, begin at elementary school level to expose children to vocational schools. Have a vocational school within an hour's drive of every county in, in the state. Because when children graduate from high school, it's too late at that point to be deciding, do I want to be? We need plumbers, electricians, welders, and I can go on and name it, mechanics. And a, a young man or woman who wakes up to, in the morning with a goal and purpose, like an American farmer. I always say the farmers are my heroes. Every farmer wakes up in the morning with a goal and purpose for the day. And every farmer wants the best crop. So every farmer aspires to what excellence embraces excellence. So if a young man or woman wakes up in the morning with a, a purpose and a goal, they're not going to grab a gun and go out and shoot somebody. They're not going to go out and attack the police and, um, and break windows. You know, so this will address the crime issue and many other social ills that we grapple with. So education is extremely important. And another thing, we keep pushing nonsense like affirmative action, and I believe those policies may have got good intentions decades ago, but they've destroyed vast swaths of our country and our state in particular. And there is no affirmative affirmative action in global commerce. Think about it. And we live in a you know knowledge based global economy. So I, and if you if you look at this, you realize we're not preparing our children. We're failing our children. And when you fail the children, you fail the nation. Right now, in just a few years, if we don't do something. China will have us for lunch. Yet you have politicians. We elect the same people expecting a different outcome. They go to Harrisburg or Washington, D.C. or whatever, and it's business as usual. And if you set low standards in our leadership, expect poor outcomes. And year after year, we see those poor outcomes. So education is very important on my agenda. And I will have a high-performance team in every pillar in our government to address these issues, and especially in education, just like in cardiac surgery, the success of one of the most complex interventions in the world to stop somebody's heart, stop their lungs, freeze their body to 15 degrees, take the heart out and fix it and put it back. And it requires a high-performance team. Oftentimes, you shine the light on the heart surgeon. I've done this thousands of times, responsible for life and death matters. Next up, uh, our energy infrastructure. We've politicized it so much. And we're an energy giant. Saudi Arabia doesn't even come close as far as their resource for energy. Now, when I say that on campaign trails, I have a PhD in chemistry. I understand energy at a level that 
a lot of these candidates running around, you know, with uh, sound bites, this, that, you know, have no clue. We need to use that energy for to improve the lives of people in Pennsylvania. I've been to the gas pump recently. I mean, heating bills this, this past winter were prohibited. But how can you be an energy giant, a potential, but not use it? When I talk about energy, people give me pushback about environment. No, I've studied environmental chemistry. It's not either or. We should protect our environment, and we can do it at the same time to use the resources we have to better the lives of people in Pennsylvania for economic benefit. We can take this economy to a trillion dollars in a short period of time and use that revenue to address many of our ills, our school systems, you know, and, and, and infrastructure problems. And then finally, as far as energy, I always say there are three imperatives. One of them is national security. Extremely important in the era where we live now. We see what's happened to Russia and Germany. And then the crime issue. People keep talking about crime, you know, get more police, bring in the National Guard. I, I was in a debate recently, and I said, this is crazy. These are people running to lead Pennsylvania. They're still talking like 1898. And, oh, actually, coincidentally, there's a book that I read written in 1898 by a gentleman called W.E. Du Bois. And he, the title of the book is, and I encourage a lot of people to read it, and he was a, a graduate student at Penn, University of Pennsylvania. Hmm. And the title was The Philadelphia Negro. If you read that book, you would think it was written yesterday. The plight of these zip code diseased communities that I'm talking about. It just tells us that our policies have not made a dent, you know, and the social, in the social arena, crime, the solutions to crime will never be extrinsic exclusively. They're going to have to be intrinsic. And to do that in the era where we are now, we have to understand fundamentally the social determinants of crime. As a scientist and a heart surgeon, I seek solutions that are sustainable. Politicians seek solutions that are short-term until the next election. And that's why we've had this problem with crime. And I came up with the concept of Citizens' Council. Just yesterday, I was fellowshipping with my wife, Joanne, at a church in Philadelphia. And I sat down with this great bishop, and we were talking. And I says, you know, I want religious leaders because they're such powerful, you know, members of the community, stakeholders, but they're underutilized. Within those communities, those zip codes where crime is prevalent, we have to get into the root causes, and we know where they are. Educational determinism is not is woefully lacking there. Jobs, housing, and securities. But we come back and see what we can do so individuals are empowered to be able to take care of themselves. We can do that. So that's an arena that I, I will seek to address with a high-performance team that includes community members because we can do. When you start addressing root causes, if you come to me with a headache, you know, and uh, and, and, and maybe some blurred vision. I mean, I can give you some uh, eye drops, and your vision may feel better, give you a Tylenol, but then you'll have a massive stroke <laughs> Right. if I don't address <laughs> right. the root cause. You right. know? And yeah. so, so that's another thing. And then, I mean, there's a lot of pillars, but the three top ones are say healthcare. The COVID crisis has revealed to us that we are a mess, healthcare system. Because healthcare... We don't get the quality care. It's not accessible and it's not affordable. I've been in this industry for decades, most of my career in Pennsylvania. 
It shouldn't be this way. Why should somebody pay $2 for a Tylenol in one hospital and across the street in the next hospital they pay $20? Where's the transparency in cost? Somebody has to rally this, this, these costs because they're, they're spiraling out of control. Pharmaceutical industries, I have had veterans and elderly, my brother, that I've had to dig deep in my pocket to pay the pharmacy bills month after month. There are a lot of them out here in Pennsylvania. Because I says, you know, they can't afford it. Veterans who fought for our freedoms, elderly, the most vulnerable amongst us. Even I, I had a young woman who happened to have a child, you know, and she couldn't afford it. So I had to set up a top at a pharmacy, at the Guthrie Clinic for her. Our society, we're not poor. We're an $800 plus billion dollar GDP, Pennsylvania. I tell people in their wide eyes, this is really, I says, yeah, twice Saudi Arabia. We're not poor. We're a fraction of the population. And healthcare can be addressed. Look at what's happened to COVID. One of the most common causes of death among our children now, really from the mismanagement of COVID and a few other things, is suicide. Yet, for a child to have access to a child psychologist or psychiatrist, we just don't have the workforce and the manpower, the expertise in the state. Yeah. About 30% of healthcare workers are going to leave the healthcare industry Doctor, because of the stresses and many other issues. Dr. So, Dr. Enche Zama has been kind of be our guest. Dr. Zama, we have uh, up against a break and we have to jump another yeah, to a candidate sure. too, but this has been very informative and it, it's really served its purpose because you've had a chance to really lay out a lot of different yeah. thoughts. Um, Zama4PA.com, people can jump to that as well, right? To to learn more about the, the platform, the thoughts, your background too. Is that a good good spot? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Perfect, yes. Yeah. Well, it's really a pleasure to make your acquaintance. If folks just well, been tuning in, Dr. Enche Zama, our guest, he's running in the Republican primary for PA governor. Well, of course, the election yeah. is tomorrow. So uh, yeah. we, we really appreciate well, it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, just, and I know we have time constraints. I'm pleading with people out there, give this, my candidacy a chance. Because, um, you know, I'm, I've served this state honorably, and uh, you're not going to have a politician. You'll have somebody who's results-oriented, somebody who's got you know, faith in their heart and a commitment to human service at the highest level of excellence. And uh, um, I'm the only one who can win in November. People keep saying this. And, uh, but we need to support. We need people to spread the word out there. I want to grow this party. And the only way we can do that is for me to have a chance to be able to uh, sit somewhere in a position of responsibility and leadership to help the people of this great commonwealth that we all love so much. Dr. Zama, thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. Have, have a wonderful evening. Thank, thank you, my brother. You too. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you too. Dr. Enche Zama on the Tim DeMoss Show. Brief break. We'll have Carla Sands joining us. She's running for U.S. Senate. She's up in just a couple of moments here at Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. It's 438 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL, and we're glad to bring on board the program now Ambassador Carla Sands. Hello. Um, I was going to say, sir, I'm, my mind is so used to... I'm just flying you by here. You almost called me Senator Tim. I, I almost... Let's well, see, that's it. Well, that's what I you're... accept that. I accept that. Because <laughs> almost 20% of the voters are still undecided. So we can get this done if they'll swing to the trusted, vetted, uh, conservative America First candidate, 
Um, I'm so happy to talk to you, Tim. Yeah, you too. I know. Now, so folks, for perspective, we have two stations in our in our little cluster here in Philadelphia. One is our Philadelphia's AM 990, The Answer, and Chris DeGaulle is the morning host there. And you've joined Chris on the program, I believe, a couple of times over there. And that tends to be a little more like drilled down on the topics and, and all that. And on, on our show, we... Uh, can do some of that, but we're also a Christian station. And so that allows for some conversation more about a little more where the background comes from, perhaps why people are the way they are, what they're doing. And Chris does that too, to a degree, but it's kind of like the opposite percentage wise. So I want to just give you the floor for the purpose for listeners to get to know you a little bit, uh, you know, and they may know you very well. Or they maybe have heard your name. So uh, take the floor, share a little bit about, you know, who Carla Sands is, the person, and then we can talk a little about why you're running for U.S. Senate too. Okay, sure. Well, so, Tim, thank you. And just to set the table, I am Carla Sands, and I'm running for the U.S. Senate. And I'll just share with you, don't trust the polls. Remember, the polls have been so wrong when it comes to America First candidates. And our goal is to win in November. And we know that we have to hold this seat in Republican hands in order to take back the Senate and stop what's going on in Washington, especially the out-of-control spending that's hurting our Pennsylvania working families, and especially our seniors on a fixed income. But I'm from Cumberland County, and I'm a third-generation doctor of chiropractic and practice alongside my father in Camp Hill in our family practice. Hmm. Uh, I went on to become the U.S. ambassador to Denmark, Greenland, and the Faroe Islands, and I worked with NATO and the Department of Defense in order to deter Russia and China, especially in the high north. And we were so successful that the, the DOD gave me their highest civilian honor. It's called the Medal for Distinguished Public Service. And we also worked to increase trade. And we increased it over 43% while I was the ambassador. So we created jobs here at home. And we did that by, by I worked as a coalition builder. I worked to create, um, to share the story, the message, to make a mission that, the, you know, many, many different ideologies worked with me. Mostly they weren't Republicans, and I got them to uh, agree to make that effort and work together. And that's how we got good things done on behalf of the American people while I was based in Copenhagen. And I moved there in 2017 with my teenage daughter. She finished high school there, as a matter of fact, and I served up until January 21 of uh, 2021. And as we look, you know, at the race, I'm the most selectable candidate in November. I'm the only one ready on day one because I've worked in foreign policy, trade policy, and security policy, defense policy. And then also I've been a businesswoman, not just a small business as a doctor's office, but also I've run a business with a nationwide footprint with hundreds of employees. And I've been vetted. I've been a Senate-confirmed ambassador. So voters know that they can trust that I am who I say I am and that my resume lines up uh, with what I've claimed. And I'm also uh, a pro-life, pro-First Amendment, pro-Second Amendment, constitutional conservative. And I'm an America first businesswoman and Christian and mom. I'm uh, an eighth generation Pennsylvanian. And my Pennsylvania ancestors fought in the American Revolution and in the Civil War. And I believe this is for Republicans, our time to fight for the heart and soul of our great nation, because so many of our values and our constitutional rights, I feel, are under attack by the left right now, especially our, our First Amendment rights, our freedom of speech. 
And uh, as a matter of fact, Tim, I have a faith coalition, and it's led by a pastor who is one of the pastors at a church here in Cumberland County called Christ Community Church. That church was founded in my parents' living room when I was a young girl, and we have over 70 pastors who are part of that, 70 pastors and churches. I spoke at a Hispanic church this past Sunday, but almost every Sunday I'm in a different uh, church. My home church is in Harrisburg. It's called Life Center, and it's a wonderful uh, church with wonderful, uh, uh, I would say, worship service and messages. And then uh, we've been endorsed by Newt Gingrich, who is a, a, a great uh, a conservative leader. If anyone remembers back in the day, sure. uh, he helped to revolutionize uh, Congress when, when uh, we had President Clinton. And then his wife, Callista, who was the ambassador to the Holy See, to the Vatican, she has endorsed our campaign as well. But I'm a hardworking Pennsylvania girl, and I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and get to work on day one to make life better and more prosperous here in Pennsylvania. If folks are tuning in, we're just chatting with uh, Ambassador Carla Sands. She's running in the Republican primary for U.S. Senate. Carla Sands, simply uh, your name, uh, .com, carlasands.com. On Twitter, it's Carla H. Sands. And uh, we want to continue our conversation here. You've laid out a a lot of different things there. There's a lot of experience, a lot of life lived, a lot of um, practical things, as you mentioned, you would bring to the table if things were to to go your way to be elected. What are a couple of things that come to the foreground? There's not just one. I'm sure there's many things, even if it's not something you're particularly experienced in. You still have to be able to grow real quick and understand everything. Uh, What are a couple of things, though, that you're most passionate about, maybe you've seen firsthand, that you really hope could, could start to get turned around uh, in, the, in the early days. Absolutely. And I'd love to share my website with your listeners, too. I have a website. Please go to it, carlasands.com, carlasands.com. And please follow us on social media. I need your help, and I'm asking humbly for your vote on May 17th. That's tomorrow. If you'll go and vote for me, I'll be so grateful. And there's no one that's going to offer more in the uh, to grow Pennsylvania and also lower the inflation, because we know that's really hurting all of us right now. And, and I'm, I, I think that the government should uh, be careful about the people's money, just like we're careful with our own family money. Um, sure. I, as, right. Yeah. As I look at the, at the, at the um, sort of the state of things, we can see we went from a really prosperous economy with low inflation, low pr- reasonable prices, and we were looking at more common sense regulations and Certainly, the, the price at the pump was 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 you know was it was affordable uh, for most families. And then today, a year and a half later, we see just the inflation is so out of control. It, I grew up during the time of Jimmy Carter, and I this feels like Jimmy Carter type type inflation. And if they used the same metrics now they used then, it would be about the same about twenty percent uh, inflation rate. And when you go by eggs or butter or gas at the gas station. I'm sure you feel that. And in fact, when you pump your gas, I'd really like you to think of Carla Sands for the Senate because I'm going to bring that price down. That's one of the issues, Tim, I'm really looking at. I want to, I will be Pennsylvania's energy senator. And I've called like on the main stage at CPAC for Operation Warp Speed for our American energy dominance to bring it back. And especially Pennsylvania will benefit uh, from this, because that will also lower the price uh, of energy when we begin to drill and harvest more energy domestically and then lay the pipe and then have 
energy independence. So we send our Pennsylvania energy around the country rather than importing energy from Russia, which we are still doing today, believe they're not helping to fund Putin's war. So I, and then I want to send, uh, sell some of that energy to our allies in Europe so they don't need to buy Russian gas and oil. We, we have such an abundance of energy just here in the ground in Pennsylvania. We have enough to power our entire country for over 300 years. And it's green. It has lowered the CO2 emissions uh, because of our natural gas. But I believe in all kinds of energy because we, we harvest it cleaner here in the United States than anywhere in the world. And we have to have energy security to actually be a strong country and to, be, uh, and to defend ourselves. Because Putin has shown energy is not just a commodity, it's a weapon too. And he's weaponized it in, in, in Europe. But when I look at the other issues besides the pressing inflation, which I'll, I'll vote to stop the out-of-control spending and make sure that they, they're careful with our money, but then the moms and dads who are looking at their kids in school and they want them to have great opportunity but not be indoctrinated, I will work to ban critical race theory at the federal level so they don't teach our kids to hate each other and hate our great country. And I, I'll advocate for curriculum transparency so that parents can see what their kids are learning. And I'll, I'll work to ban the grooming of children, which is really happening in some schools. Um, and then the border is wide open. And, you know, the Biden administration told us they were going to do this. And this is, this is a direct assault on the citizens of the United States that we don't secure our border. First of all, because taxpayers are paying for the housing and transportation free cash cards, free phones, and other benefits to these illegal immigrants um, that citizens don't get. And that's certainly not right or fair. And the, the president swore to uphold the laws of our country, and, and I don't see him enforcing the laws at the border. And then we have the fentanyl coming in over the border, the number one killer of our youth. We have to stop the fentanyl and the illegal immigrants and have legal immigration, but, but not illegal immigration, because someone predicted if, if um, Title 42 is taken away, that by the end of the Biden presidency, 20% of the inhabitants of our country will be illegal. And that's unsustainable because of the drain uh, of all those folks coming in that, that are not, you know, they're not coming in with a sponsor or in a proper way as, as legal immigrants do. We also see that the, there's a, I would just call it the war, the Biden administration's war on our farmers and our energy sector, where they're over-regulating them with these Green New Deal um, regulations that are stuffed in those multi-trillion dollar bills that they've been passing in Washington since he was elected. I do think with the election coming up soon that they may not be able to pass any more of those. And that, that will be a relief because those are really what has stoked the inflation. It's those big, big bills that don't really benefit Pennsylvanians very much. I mean, remember the infrastructure bill, about 9% of that multi-trillion dollar bill was infrastructure. And when Joe Biden came and visited Pennsylvania, there was a bridge that had just collapsed the day before. And the bridge that collapsed wasn't even part of that infrastructure bill to be replaced or, or restored. So that's how bad that, that infrastructure bill was. And, and there wasn't enough for instance, funding for broad rural broadband and things like that. But I'll also work to make sure that cities can't defund their police because we need safe streets and neighborhoods. It's the first responsibility of 
any elected official is to make sure that the, the people that they govern are safe and secure. So we must have uh, our police funded, and we need to teach children to show respect for the, for the, uh, for the law so that we don't have a lawless society. You know, I see these videos of, of you know, criminals aggressing police and not following their, you know, their lawful orders. Right. That's, it, it's not good. Ambassador Carla Sands, kind enough to hang out with us a little bit today on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. In the last moment or two that we have, I just wanted to even step back for a second. And you mentioned in your your upbringing and your parents and what they taught you and going to church and all that. And just thought maybe you could share for a moment how your background and growing up that uh, in, in the faith and all that may has affected you or, or, or you know come into play as you've you know gone through life and now want to serve in this way within the U.S. Senate. Absolutely. So my faith informs my decision making. And, you know, I, I just want to live in God's perfect will. That's where I want to be. And I, he really called me to run. And that's why I'm running. Um, I've worked hard to help get a lot of Republicans elected over the years. And um, it seems like many of them aren't working uh, for the people that have elected them, that they're working for their own account and not protecting our religious freedom and our freedom of speech and so many other freedoms. But growing up in a, a faith-filled home, I mean, it was such a blessing to have that upbringing. And then when I wasn't in God's perfect will, I certainly felt it. And so that's where I want to live my life. And, and, uh, and certainly, you know, prayer, praying about our campaign. I'll just ask your listeners, please pray for us and pray for our, our commonwealth and our country, because this is what we're doing. It's not just a, a, a physical battle, I don't believe. Uh, for our country right now. I think there's a spiritual battle going on as well. When you see some of the things coming out of the, you know, from the podium even of the president's spokesperson, um, it, 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 you know, it doesn't feel like um, a a typical American. um, Well, I'll just give, I'll give you this. I'm pro-life. What they're trying to pass, it just failed a few days ago, was taxpayer funded abortion up until the moment of birth. And that is 80 percent of Americans reject that. So this is there's an agenda that's, I would say, anti-Christian coming out of this White House. And I think we have to push back hard on that. There's only even North Korea and China don't have that. And and so it's a really when I was working in Denmark as the U.S. ambassador, abortion was legal up to 12 weeks. And you just, you know, to to hear that come out of, you know, the leadership in in a major party. Uh, in the United States was really, really shocking to me. But the, the, I think that our faith um, is, is becoming more and more important. And the fact that we've kind of left God and we haven't been in the, as a country, I think that we have to, as Christians or people of faith, whatever faith, um, we need to be in the public square and saying, you know, this is what is right and true. This is what is moral and good. And promoting that and not be silenced by the left that attempts to call people bad names uh, whenever they say something that's, that's upright, because I think we have to stand together and, and not be silenced or fearful. We have to be bold about this and, and share the good news, because I believe if we just stay in our churches and homes and businesses, the left will continue their advance. So I believe this is one of the most important battles right now for our country um, in our history. Yeah. This is, this yeah, yeah. feels like 1776. Can I share my contact information? With sure. Your listeners go right ahead. Time? Yep. Thanks so much, Tim. So I hope you will go and vote for Carla Sands for Senate tomorrow. 
about 20 percent of the voters are still undecided. There is enough to elect a constitutional conservative who will always put America first. We all have a track record. It's a public track record. And if you look mine up, you'll see I always put America first to make our country better, stronger, more prosperous and more secure. I'm asking for your vote and I'm asking you to go to carlosands.com. We need your help. There's still time. And you can follow us on social media. And I just I really appreciate if you will at least go vote. It's important that we save our country from from just the onslaught of the left. Carlos Sands, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Really appreciate it. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Same to you. All bye right, now and bye. to your, all of your listeners. Bye, bye now. Bye-bye. That's Ambassador Carlos Sands on the Tim DeMoss Show. Brief break. We'll wrap up in just a moment. Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. 457 on the Tim DeMoss Show. We are at uh, 572 Bibles now in our partnership with Bible League. 1,628 to go. Overall goal is 2,200 to provide Bibles for the persecuted church around the world. If you want to help out, we'd love to hear from you at 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or on our homepage. We can also see the progress of the Bible League scoreboard. We do that about once a day. We update that. Uh, So thank you. Each Bible, just $5.00. And we'll be in the recipient's own language. Thank you to Dr. Enche Zama, who joined us. He's running for a Republican nomination for, for governor uh, and also with the voting tomorrow, of course. And um, uh, Ambassador Carla Sands joined us. He's running for U.S. Senate. And today, the last day of the contest to win Brandon Heath's new CD. Just a reminder, get to WFIL.com. The CD is called Enough Already. Has some great songs on it. So be encouraged to get to WFIL.com by midnight tonight to enter the uh, win Brandon Heath CD enough already. That'll do it for the show today. Looking forward to our program tomorrow. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.